Hello, and welcome to Dad Educates Daughter on 80s Music, Series 4, Episode 7. Hello, Rebecca. Hello, Dad. How are you? I'm good, thank you. So, I reckon... Go on. You had a better week this week than last week. Okay. So just to remind everyone who you had, you've been listening to this week Prince, Bob Marley, Boris Gardner, Rebel MC, Harold Fultermeyer, and Stan Ridgway. I have. And at the end of it, I'm going to ask you, or the end of when we discuss it, actually... Yeah. I will ask you, Prince or Michael Jackson? Oh, okay. All right. Were they like compared to one another? Because I, feel I think like... they probably were at the time. Yeah. 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 I thought I saw some similarities with Prince to Michael Jackson. Yeah. I was like, did anyone get influences from one or another? So, firstly, how many number ones? Right. So it's hard to pick number ones when, like, there's so many good songs or well-known songs. So, especially like the well-known songs when they've stood the test of time. So I've gone with four: three coming from Prince and one from Bob Marley. Mm-hmm. So you'll be surprised if I tell you there were just two number ones this week. Oh, very surprised, actually. I thought there'd be more. Nope, just two. So what are the two number ones you're going with? I'd like to go with Purple Rain and Buffalo Soldier. But I feel like because there's only two and with the vast amount of songs that Prince have got, I feel like Prince is going to have two. But I'm going to stick with Buffalo Soldier and Purple Rain. Okay. Shall we find out? Yes, let's get in it. Let's talk music. So first of all, we'll talk Prince. And depending on how many number ones he comes out with, we'll tell you, you'll look obviously where the other one is. Or two, if he hasn't had any. Yeah, if Prince hasn't got the two, it'll be Bob Marley with at least one or the two. Hmm. Wait, I can't see anyone else. No one else has got that much music to give him a number one. Right, so on to Prince. Yes. So, genre, I've gone with synth pop, soul, R&B. I didn't know that he was actually so high-pitched. I didn't realise he sung that high-pitched. He's quite an entertainer, um, very talented. I feel like he plays all his own instruments. He does have, like bands with him like for example you had the revolution and then towards yep. the end the new power generation that's it yeah the MG, yeah yeah um and then he really like with his videos he only really got into like videos towards the end and they were more like films a bit like michael jackson so i've said that he took a bit of influence from michael jackson i think it's come like that way around um 
I feel like he really expressed himself through his clothes. You know, he had the long hair, thin beard, like moustache, very low V-necks. Um, he plays around with a lot of colour and materials. So like he likes a shiny suit or bright colours. Um, I think he looks best when he's got short hair and it's curly. I think he looks at his peak there. Um, and towards the end, I feel like he went a bit dark. He, went, he tried a bit of like, um, like dress up. I thought, but then I think that's because that's when his videos really came in, and that's where I think he got the Michael in, Michael Jackson influence, especially like from the thriller type film video. Yeah. Okay, so he was actually born Prince Rogers Nelson. Oh, his name is actually Prince. So his name is really Prince. Oh, I thought that was a stage name. So there you go. Um, he's from Minneapolis in Minnesota, US, and he's been active since 1975. Okay. He is a singer-songwriter, he, and he is a multi-instrumentalist and an actor and a record producer. So he had his own studio. Actor? Yep, he's an actor. Ooh, so... He's pretty much everything as far as um, genres go. So new wave, oh, okay. pop, synth pop, R and B, rock, funk. So, but I guess it. when you've been around for that amount of time, you will follow and have a little dip in all of it. So Prince was best known for his flamboyant persona. His wide range, vocal range and his high-reaching facetto and his skill as a multi-instrumentalist as he often prepared, preferred to play all or most of the instruments on his recordings. Oh, wow. So he really got involved in his yeah. music. His music incorporated a wide range of styles, including funk, R&B, new wave soul, synth pop, pop, jazz, Blues and even hip hop. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I see all that. Prince is widely regarded as one of the greatest musicians of his generation and I was mean, the recipient of numerous awards and nominations. I mean, when he's doing what he was doing, like doing all the music, he would be, wouldn't you? Yeah. So Prince signed his first record deal at the age of 19 with Warner Brothers Records and released his first album, For You, in 1978 and followed up the album with the self-titled Prince in 1979. So by 1979, and by the time he was 20, he'd already released two albums. That's mad. He achieved critical success with his following albums, Dirty Mind in 1980, Controversy in 1981, and 1999 in 1982. Which is a bit confusing. Yeah, just a bit. <laughs> his sixth album, Purple Rain, was recorded with his new backing band, The Revolution. In 1984. Why do you have a backing band? Um, because I suppose by this time he, he he was concentrating more on the music and what have you, and also I suppose 
if you're going to start touring or doing videos you can't really because he was obviously because he worked in the studio he would have been cutting doing this instrument putting that into it and what have you whereas you can't do that when you're on top yeah unless and also he might have just thought it'll sound better with a with a and i think from the success of the purple rain album compared to the others obviously maybe it did make a big difference but unless you're ed sheeran he does all his own music and when he's on tour he has a i don't know what it's musicians. called it's like um no he doesn't have musicians he uh-huh. when he's on tour he explains what his tour is like so each tour sounds different because it's the sounds are then and there um like he i can't explain it it's like this stepping thing so we like play the music that he needs like the beats that he needs record that and then stop it record over it and then play it all which is what prince used to do yeah yeah but he can do it but i guess if prince was in our time now he'd be doing what ed sheeran's doing Mm. like because he'd be able to do it on tour whereas they didn't have that technology back then yeah so, yeah, so the, the Revolution joined him for the recording of Purple Rain in 1984. And it was the soundtrack to the film of the same name in which Prince himself starred. Oh. Did not know that. So Purple Rain, the album, not the film, was a commercial success and spent six months at number one on the Billboard Hot 200 album chart. Um, So August to January, it was at number one. Wow, that's quite a long time, isn't it? Yeah. And I think that was the album and obviously that film and Purple Rain itself as a single. And I suppose, obviously, having a backing band like the as it was the revolution then, obviously made a big difference. Mm. better quality maybe yeah so the album's lead single was when doves cry and it was prince's first billboard hot 100 number one staying there for five weeks and was named billboard's hot 100 single of 1984 okay So the follow-up single, Let's Go Crazy, became Prince's second number one on the Billboard Hot 100 chart, while title track Purple Rain peaked at number two. It's mad, because like Purple Rain's like, when you think of Prince, I think I said it last week, um, I don't know if it was off air or not, but I was like, Prince, that's Purple Rain, isn't it? That's like the one that you think of straight away for him. So I'm surprised See, I didn't do I, that. I wasn't into Prince until Raspberry Beret. It was on a it was on a hit tape, um, which is a compilation of right. you know different music from that year. And yeah, yeah. Um, Raspberry Beret was on there, and I loved it. And then I found looked obviously went and looked at other things, and obviously and, yeah, purple purple rain. But Ren Dove's Cry would be my single of his. Ah, okay. After two more, uh, so after disbanding the revolution, after two more albums, so Around the World in a Day, which was released in 85, and Parade was released in 86. So he'd done three albums with. 
Yeah, he's only got one album out, hasn't he? Yeah, so he done. He, yeah, yeah. So I mean, what's that? Six. That's about eight albums already, I think. Mm. Um, um, so yeah, so he done three albums with the Revolution, and um, then he went on on back on to him just himself, I think. So um, he released his ninth album, Sino the Ta- Sign of the Times, in 1987 which was widely hailed by critics as the greatest work of his career. Although, commercially, the album didn't do as well as Purple Rain, as it charted at number six on the Billboard Hot 200. Still a top ten. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I I suppose when you've had a number one, everyone thinks you're going to, you know, carry on. Yeah. But, I mean, I'm not sure where Around the World in a Day and Parade actually got to, to be honest. Um, I don't think they were commercial successes either. Um, But I could be wrong, so I didn't look it up, which is a bit bad of me. Um, So following his 10th studio album, Love Sexy, in 1988, his 11th was another soundtrack, this time for Batman in 1989. Yeah, I thought this towards the end. I was like, there's a lot of Batman, like because of the videos. Ah. So this, again, was a commercial success. When reaching number one on both the Billboard Hot 200 and the UK album chart. Mm. And I'll be honest, I bought it. But it's just a soundtrack for Batman. Yeah, it is. It's the soundtrack for Batman, yeah. But that's also why it would have done really well. Yeah. As well as it topped the album charts in Belgium, Canada, Netherlands, France, Ireland and Switzerland. So you, you can either think it's because of Prince or because of the film Batman. I mean, Batman, it was it was a big hyped up film because we hadn't Batman hadn't, you know, we'd all seen it on TV, but they were still repeats from the 60s, 70s, I think. Oh, so this was like the first fresh. Um, so suddenly they've got this really good film being released. It was Michael Keaton was the main actor as Batman. Oh um, yeah. Oh, I can't think who it was who played Penguin, but yeah, they they had some big. Penguin. Oh, it might have been, might have been Danny DeVito. Penguin. Penguin. Yeah. Who's Penguin? A baddie, Penguin. Oh. He was before the Joker. I'm not a ba- I, I'm not a DC. I'm oh, Marvel, but yeah, yeah, I, 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 yeah. In- Incredible Hulk and Batman are probably my two, but yeah, oh, Spider Man oh, as well. So yeah, um, but um, so yeah, so um, it was the film was big, so it's no surprise that the the uh, the album did the, the album, well. But still, yeah. the music's got to be good because otherwise people go, oh, it's rubbish. And people, mm, yeah, and that is true. It, so. yeah, like the fact that it was successful in so many different countries mm-hmm. tells you how good it was. Yeah. So it made the top five everywhere else. Oh, okay. So it's done. So where it was at number one, it was still in the top five. Mm-hmm. Now that couldn't that could mean that there was just no other decent music out at the time. So again, you could you could you know. But anyway, so um. So everywhere else internationally, uh, while the lead single Bat Dance made number one on the Billboard Hot 100. So by 1993, 
And after 14 studio albums, Prince was in a contractual dispute over his recording contract with Warner Brothers. Oh, so he'd been with Warner Brothers this whole time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And out of protest, he changed his stage name to Symbol. What? He changed his name to Symbol, yeah. And was known as Love Symbol by fans after his last album, Love Symbol, which had been his second album with his new backing band, The New Power Generation. Ah, so that's where they... So when I've had The New Power Generation, that's actually Symbol, not Prince. No, he changed it after that album. Right, okay, so okay. He done two albums with them. Uh, the first album featuring the new power generation was Diamonds and Pearls, which right. featured the number one single, Cream. And then the second album was Love Symbol, which had the symbol, which is what he went by. So he didn't go, his name wasn't Symbol, his name was a symbol. Right. It's an unpronounced symbol, so the press just called him Symbol. And the fans called him Love Symbol after the the um, the album, which the symbol appeared on the cover. I want to know what. It's literally just a. I don't know how to. It's like a key. It's. I mean, it's hard to. It is an unpronounceable symbol. You can't describe oh, it. Oh, okay. Like it's a circle. And it's With like a line down, arrow, but a little as well. And then, and yeah, 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 and then yeah. like something going. Yeah. okay so that was his name was the symbol which obviously you can't describe a symbol nah so unless you give it a name to the symbol. symbol right because yeah. that's what he was he was a symbol so it's, it's a bit confusing right so symbol as prince was known he was also referred to as afcap cap yeah why? The artist formerly known as Prince. Ah. So they shortened it, the press, to Taf. Well, it was to Afcap, but obviously a tight, silent T, Afcap. The artist formerly known as Prince. So he went by that as well. Mm-hmm. So in 1998. Prince signed with Arista Records and by 2000 had reverted back to his original name, Prince. Right. And over the next decade, six of his albums entered the US Billboard Top 200 Top 10. So even still, his albums were, you know, Mm. going well. And I guess at this time now, because he sorted out the con- whether the contract whether just ended or, you or know, it got of, sort of resolved. Yeah. Mm. It, well, it didn't get resolved because he's signed to Arista, but it either ended or they just parted way, went to court, yeah. whatever. Yeah. In April 2016, at the age of 57, Prince died after accidentally overdosing on fentanyl at his Paisley Park home where his recording studios were in Minnesota. Oh, I didn't know that's how he died. I do remember his death there. 
So during his career, Prince released 39 studio albums. Is that including including as symbol and after? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're still him, aren't they? So, yeah. Um, With a vast array of unreleased materials found in a custom-built bank vault underneath his home. Which they found after his death, including fully completed albums, which were never released, and over 50 finished music videos. That's mad. So, when you think he's already made 39 studio albums that have been released, and there's another Gushner's How Many that they've found, including 50 videos. His demo album. Piano and a Microphone in 1983 and Originals were both released posthumously in 2018 and 2019. So you had Piano and a Microphone in 1983, that's what it was called. Yeah. And Originals, both of demos, unreleased stuff. Yeah, yeah. And they were released in 2018 and 2019. I do, I do remember... Um... There being a new Prince release. But it's exactly, well, I want to be like, it's exactly what they did with Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson was a bit different. His was actually recorded. I don't think Michael Jackson's were. They just mm. took bits from what he's already, his vast amount that he's already got. So Prince sold over 100 million records worldwide, ranking him among the best selling music artists of all time. His awards include Grammy's President's Merit Award, the American Music Award for Achievement and of Merit, the Billboard Icon Award, an Academy Award for Best Original Score with Purple Rain, and the Golden Globe Award. Prince was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2004, eight years after his death. Two years later, so again, obviously, six years after his death. Uh, two, sorry, um, no. Ten years after his death, now we're talking. T- no. He died in 2015, didn't he? 2016. Right. Oh, what so am I two, saying? Well, 2004 is oh, not yeah. after his death. No, Dad. no, it's not. It's before. That's before. <laughs> I don't know why I've written that then. I don't like that. I don't know. I don't know either. So he's written... <laughs> Acted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2004 and the UK Music Hall of Fame in 2006. <laughs> While he was still alive. Definitely still alive. We knew about him. Prince is thought to have wrote between 500 and over 1,000 songs, some of which were recorded by other musicians. Most notab- yeah. notably, Nothing Compares to You by Sinead O'Connor mm. and Manic Monday by the Bangles. He wrote Manic Monday? He did. I think we did say that. I don't Manic remember Monday. you mentioning that, but then yeah. that, to be fair, when you would have mentioned it back then, it wouldn't have been as big a news because we weren't talking about him. No. It wouldn't have mattered. Wow. God, he's a grafter. He just did it, didn't he? Yeah. And he did it all on his own. Although he had the best success with a backing band, either the, yeah. um, the Revolution or the New Power Generation. Mm, when you're looking at like numbers and everything. Yeah. Mm. So, 
Where were his number ones? If are we definitely hadn't. gonna have both of them in e? Nineteen eighty. I wanna be your lover. Number forty-one. What's up? Was it? I recognise this. This was a well good start to my week, and this was where I was like, "Oh my god, he's got a high pitched voice." So it's just it's a repetitive song, but it's so it's got like a bit of everything, you know, like the upbeat. It's got good music with it as well. Nineteen eighty three, nineteen ninety nine, number twenty five. Thought that would be higher. So. Just so you know, I've got two favourites from Prince. I can pick. This is one of them. Um, this is one that I recognise. It's just a good piece of music. It's catchy, really gets you up and moving. Like, I don't know. It's just. And when you know the lyrics, you can't help but sing along to it. 1984. When Doves Cry. We've already said it was number one in the US. Mm. Got to number four in the UK. Okay. Did you say this was your favourite? Uh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. um, this is just to the point. Like it's nothing special. It's just kind of these are the lyrics, and we sing. And it's like I don't know. It's not got much change in tone. Nineteen eighty-four, Purple Rain it was number one in France, number two in the US. It's number six in the UK. What number over here? No. Oh, I'm baffled. Okay. In the top five. Well, it's just an it's just iconic and a classic. When, like I say, when you think of Prince, you think of Purple Rain. Nineteen eighty-three. So I've gone back a year. Little mm. Red Corvette, number fifty-four. However. It was re-released in 1985 right. as a double A with 1999, which itself was a flop right. in a sense, and it got to number 25. Mm. And this time as a double A with both of them, it got to number two. Oh, wow. Well, Little Red Corvette, it just, it was a bit of a change in like his usual tempo. And he, the vocals were a bit quiet. Uh, definitely prefer 1999. 1984, Let's Go Crazy, number one in the US, number seven in the UK. Oh, this is my second favourite one. I love this one. It's just that first note, that first beat, you're in. That's it. It's quick pace. You can dance to it. Like, it's just got a bit of everything. It's an all-rounder. Okay, next we have a double A, and it's Take Me With You and Paisley Park um, from 1985. Oh, sorry, sorry no, ignore that. It was Let's Go Crazy and Take Me With You that was the double A, and I got to right. number seven. And okay. then in 1985, we had Paisley Park, and I got right. to number 18. Okay. So the double so, A was Let's Go Crazy and Take Me With You that got to number seven. Right. Okay. Well, I prefer Let's Go Crazy, obviously, but Take yeah. Me With and You that was a bit slow. Yeah. And Take Me With You's just not got much content to it. It doesn't change in a tempo throughout, just stays the same. Yeah. So I think 
let's go crazy is the winner there. And I think that's why, because Take Me With You wasn't a success in the US either. It was quite high right. in the charts. Yeah. Bearing in mind, you just come from, as I said, you know, let's go crazy. It was number one. So obviously when he released them over here, he released it as a double A rather than right. an A and rather B. Than, yeah, yeah. Having let's go crazy with take me with you on the B. To try and push it. Double a. Yeah. Um and Paisley Park, again, another slow one. It's a bit of a foot tapper. Um, and I feel like it's got a lot deeper meaning to it. But I couldn't pinpoint what it was about. But yeah, it was a good one though. Okay. Nineteen eighty five, as I said earlier, the song that Brought Prince to the attention of yeah, yeah. Um, Raspberry Beret, which I still love even now. Um, and it's surprising it wasn't wasn't a hit over here, really. Number 25. Oh, yeah, I agree. It's I don't know why you like you like the weird ones, though. It's just got weird sounds. It's quite instrumental. Like, I didn't really bring much to the table. I just love it. She wore a raspberry beret. Yeah, I like that bit. Probably the only found in a second-hand store. That's, yes. yeah. yeah, that's fine. But, yeah, like that song as a whole oh, is yeah. about that. 1986, Kiss, number one in the U.S., Number six in the UK. God, he's not hitting well over here, is he? Um, I recognise this one. A change in sound. I don't know if he shifted genre a bit or tried something a bit different. It's got a nice build-up. Oh, you know, I love a build-up. So, yeah, that, that one I really did enjoy. 1986, Girls and Boys. Number 11. I didn't think this was his style. Didn't suit him at all. I was just okay. like, this this doesn't fit. Mm. 1986 still. Another lover hole in your head. Number 36. Oh, I like this one. I'm also so glad you told me how the hell you taught you pronounce that title. Because do you know how much over this week I've been that right? Another lover I get. But I don't know how you pronounce like Holen your head Holen like yeah I couldn't I was like I hope Dad knows because he doesn't say it as a hole in the song either no, no. Oh, so really? I was like I, I don't I don't know what this is meant to be called <laughs> um, he's got a nice deep voice in it like it's a nice change from his usual up, uh, high pinched um, good piece of music very catchy it's got that build up in it as well. Uh, 1987, Sign of the Times, number 10. Oh, this one is his most 80s song, I want to say. It's very 80s. Um, it's not got much going on in it, but it's got all of that 80s feel good in it. So it kind of, yeah, it did that for me. I was like, oh, this, this is like embedded in there. 1987, If I Was Your Girlfriend, number 20. This should be lower down the charts, like as in Do Worse. It's a very long song, and it's not got much content considering it's long. It, uh, yeah, I don't know, it's a bit pointless. 1987, You Got the Look, number 11. 
this one's very instrumental but i do like the music that the instruments produce it's a duet i think like it's got someone else in it um i, I don't like the singing it at all i'm like no i can't do the singing I prefer the instrumental bits of it okay still 1987 i could never take the place of your man number 29 oh see this should be higher up it's a proper head bopper nice and fast pace like it kind of brought back the earlier prints okay 1988 alphabet street was number one in both new zealand and sweden got to number nine in the uk uh, i really enjoyed this one you know it's different and i like the concept and like the video as he's singing it's like got the massive letter that he's like relating to and then he's acting out what he's singing about oh it's really good you could watch the video it's great um but yeah i just liked how different it was and like the the like the lyrics of the video and how it was all pieced together uh, the lyrics of the song and how it was all pieced together 1988 glam slam number 29 oh this should be higher up beautiful singing um and it's got a rock feel to it so it's something a bit different but it suited him like i think he should have done a bit more rock and that's something for me to say as well but yeah like it was a, the nice rock that i like 1988 still i wish you heaven number 24 okay this is a slow burner it flows really well and has got a good beat but you're just kind of waiting for that oomph in it okay 1989 hang on a minute he's not had a number one yet no i'm shocked you know 1989 back dance was number one in the us canada new zealand sweden and switzerland in the uk it was in the top 10. number one for you to be counting down in the uk it was in the top five okay in the top three yeah was Bat Dance? Did it give Prince's number one that he so much wanted? Bat Dance in 1989 in the UK charted at number two. Number two. Oh, you know, when I said that there was four for, uh, no, three for Prince, the ones that I put was Purple Rain, Bat Dance. And another one, which I'll let you know when we get to it. So I'm, I'm, I'm a bit shocked there weren't this one because I thought, ah, oh, this is definitely Batman related. I bet it's got something to do with a film. I was right, but the song actually no. Thinking to the song though, for me, yeah, don't hit that that well. Bit random, but very repetitive. Um, and it's this darker side, I think. This is where he started looking a bit like thriller. like he took influence from Thriller for this Batman soundtrack. Well, video. the Batman film was probably a bit, you know, with the Batman was he was he was known as the Dark, dark the Dark Dark Knight. Dark Knight, that was it, yes. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Mm. Um nineteen eighty-nine again from Batman, Party Man. Number 14. I thought you were going to say number one then. And I was going to be like, <laughs> no, no. 
Um, it relies on the music a lot. Like, there's not much going for it, but the music's amazing in it. And I think they know it, so they can rely on it. But it didn't do that well. Mm-hmm. Still 1989, The Arms of Orion, number 27. See, this one really shows off his vocals. Like, it's quiet, but if you really listen to it, you can hear how beautiful his singing is. 1990 we're into now. Mm. So I gave you these because they are three good songs in X3. And, I I mean, I love Cream. But the first one that we're going to go for is The Thieves in the Temple. That got to number seven. Got a good beat, good vocals, and in the video, he's got good dancing. But again, Michael Jackson type dancing. So 1991, Cream, with the new power generation, mm-hmm. was number one in the US. Number 15 in the UK. Yeah, probably could be lower. I was not a fan. It's probably the worst song he has. Really? No, awful. Absolutely awful. That's all I can say about it. It's the worst song he's got. Might as well have not given you that one then. Yeah. As I said, it's from the 90s, but I gave you it. Well, I'll give you some of his 90s. No, I didn't need it. So next we have 1991 again. Diamonds and Pearls. Number 25. Okay, it really shows off his vocals. Beautiful song and really good beat. I enjoyed that one. So, we now come to 1994. And although he was very successful in the US, as you've seen, I mean, he was still successful over here. And he's had, what, he's had two number twos? Yeah. Two number twos as well, was it? Uh, Bat Dance. And I'm trying to remember the other one. I swear there was another one. Maybe not. I thought there was two. No, one. Just one number two as well then. Oh, number six. And awesome. yeah, I, thought, I thought I'd said there was an... mm. number four when Dove's Cry was um, the next. Oh, no, yes. The double A of 1999 and Little Red Corvette. Yes, was number yes, 92 yes. on the re-release. But, I mean, when you've got two songs of hits, mm. it's, you know. So, um, so yeah. So, 1994, The Most Beautiful Girl in the World was number one in Canada, New Zealand, and Switzerland. However, it was only number three in the U.S., in the UK, the reason why you've got it is because it was his one and only number one in the UK. Are you joking? No. Listen, that was my third number one that I gave him. I wish yeah. you could see. I've got an asterisk. I put asterisks on the ones that I think are number one. That one. Ah. Oh. But I am shocked that Purple Rain didn't. Like, I would have yeah, gone purple. Well, purple I obviously Rain. Did. Only number six. I obviously did go purple rain over this. 
because yeah. I thought, oh, that's that's the biggest one, surely. Because I, I did recognise this one. And do you know what? It was a fantastic end to the week. Right back to his usual stuff. Oh, it was fantastic. It was great. Like, you could sing your heart out to it. Oh, okay, I'm quite glad. Because legit, if I would have told you all the ones that I... Like, I said bat dance, I would have put it as a number one. This one, number one. There you go. Kind of so, we have a number one still to find. Yeah, it'll be Bob Marley. It will be and, Buffalo um, Soldier. We shall now talk Bob Marley. Yes, Bob Marley. So I know of Bob Marley, and yeah. I actually know a lot of his songs. Um, this Bob Marley. So reggae is it is something that I like, but. It's not always like the type of reggae isn't always doesn't always sit with me. Like UB40 weren't a big fan. Um, Bob Marley, I am a fan. I gave it away, but still. Um, I thought he had more songs in this, so like I thought he was bigger. Um, so I'm like, was he not as big over here as he might have been elsewhere? Um, and what I like about his music is it's like upbeat. But his voice just gives that softness to it. It's, it's a nice mix. He has a distinct voice as well, I think. Um, and do you, know what? you don't see him in videos, and he didn't really have many videos, but I do know what he looks like. Um, so never really saw him. The videos don't really match the songs. They're just a bit random. But like I say, you don't see him. Also, I did not know. And I've not written where I got this from, that there was a film about Bob Marley or there's some sort of film. And also, who are the Whalers? They're my they were his backing band. Oh, right. Okay. So it's a similar So thing. like, like um, Prince the Revolution and, and the Revolution and um, the, new the New Power Generation. And we've, there was some, I, I mean, I don't know if you remember it, Lloyd Cole and the commotions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, we should be discussing him in this because yeah, yeah. the commotions were actually not, a, it wasn't a bad, it was Lloyd Cole and the commotions. So he should be in here, you know, like, yeah, that's like in the shadows, you know. And I was just about to say, it's the same with Gary Newman and Tubeway Army. Yeah. He, I mean, he obviously, in the but end, I guess there's like, like a Gary fine Newman. line. But, um, I suppose in my eyes, I always knew him as bands. But actually, yeah. it's no different. To, well, Prince was always known as a soloist, um, but he was known as. I mean, I remember the Prince and the Revolution, the new, the the, the um, Revolution, and I remember the New Power Generation as well. Yeah, you always knew Sir Prince as a soloist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, um, I never thought of him, but I've only ever known Prince as yeah. Prince. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but yeah, I, I think you know. Bob Marley is the same. You know, it was new Bob Marley, but it was Bob Marley and the Whalers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Bob Marley, from Nine Mile, St Anne Parish in Jamaica. He's been active since 1962. He's a singer, songwriter, musician. Um, and he's uh, John Rosar Reggae. Scar, folk, and rock steady. Now he's a Jamaican music genre. So he introduced Jamaican music, right? And it's called rock steady, which was called rock steady in Jamaica. 
Right, okay. So Robert Bob Marley, as he's obviously known, because Robert, short for Robert, is Bob. Bob. Um, became known as a Rastafarian icon, and he infused his music with a sense of spiritual spirituality. So Marley is also considered a global symbol of Jamaican music and culture. So Marley was also controversial in his outspoken support for the democratic social reforms. In 1976, Marley survived an assassination attempt in his home, which was thought to be politically motivated. Oh, I didn't know that. So Marley also supported the legalisation of marijuana. Marijuana, thank you. In 1963, he formed the Teenagers with Peter Tosh and Bunny Whaler, which, after several name changes, became the Whalers. Right, so he was part of the Whalers. Originally, right. Well, yeah, he was because it was he was the group, but they were known as the Teenagers, uh, and then they took Bunny Whaler's surname and became the Whalers. Yeah, even yeah. though he was the only Whaler. <laughs> yeah, I mean. yeah. Um, so the group released its debut studio album, The Wailing Whalers, in 1965. <laughs> which contained the single One Love, which became popular worldwide and established the group as a rising figure in reggae. After signing to Island Records, the group released a further 11 albums and by this time were known as Bob Marley and the Wailers. Oh, so they didn't last as the Wailers for long? No. In 1971, uh, Marley relocated to London. Oh, over here? Yeah. I thought. And then in 1975, following Eric, Eric Clapton's version of Marley's I Shot the Sheriff, which you had when we did Eric Clapton. Yep. Marley had his international breakthrough with his first hit outside of Jamaica with a live version of No Woman, No Cry from the live album. He then had his breakthrough in the US with the album Rastaman Vibration in 1976, which reached the top 50 of the Billboard Soul Charts. A few months after the album's release, release was when Marley survived an assassination attempt at his home in Jamaica, which prompted Marley to permanently relocate to London. So he came over originally in 1971. He then mm. obviously was coming, you know, it's just temporary and what have you, and he went yeah. there. But then obviously, as I said, in 1976, he had an, an assassination um, attempt and so then he will and the assassination attempt was that in jamaica yes at right. his home so right. because of that he permanently moved to london over here okay 
So while in London, he recorded the album Exodus in 1977. So this is about a year after the assassination attempt, which had elements of blues, soul and British rock and enjoyed widespread commercial and critical success. It was in 1977 that Marley was diagnosed with skin cancer. And then in 1980, he released the album Uprising, which included the single Could You Be Loved? As a result of the illness, he died in 1981, shortly after he was baptised into the Ethiopian Orthodox Church and he received a state funeral back in Jamaica. Right, that's mad. I did not know that he died that early on. So when I've put, I thought he had more songs than this. I thought he lived longer, that's why. That's mad. I didn't know he died that early. So in 1983, the album Confrontation was posthumously released and included unreleased material recorded during Marley's lifetime, including the hit Buffalo Soldier. So he wasn't even alive to see that get released. Are you joking? And new mixes of singles previously only available in Jamaica. In 1984, a Greatest Hits album was released called Legend and became the best-selling reggae album of all time. Marley also ranks as one of the best-selling music artists of all time, with estimated record sales of over 75 million copies worldwide. In 1994... He was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Right. Who is not inducted into this Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? <laughs> that, honestly, everyone's in it. We're and also, he received a Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award and was given a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. He didn't get to see any of that. No. Did he have a family? Um, I'm not sure, actually. But he had brothers, didn't he? Like, who's Damon Marley? Is that one his nephew or is that his brother? Oh, I don't know. You I've know more than Damien. me on that. No. I've seen Damien Marley live. Okay. But it's, I, I can't remember if it's his nephew or his brother. Right. So, let's see how his songs did. Yeah. 1975. No Woman, No Cry got to number 22. However, the reason you've got it is it was re-released in 1981, which I guess was probably after his death. What year did he die? 1981. Mad, it? So this may have been released to, to you know, celebrate his life. Um, it got to number eight. Oh, well, I recognise this. I like the lyrics and it's like empowering of women in a sense. Repetitive. And it's definitely one that he's known for. Like, it's an up there one, which is just, it's mad to think how all of this. Like, I did not know he died that early. So now I'm a bit yeah. baffled. So 1980, Could You Be Loved? Number five. 
Okay, again, I recognise this one. Good music, feel good feeling, fast pace, nice and upbeat. 1980, Three Little Birds, number 17. Okay, again, recognised. Um, it's the most reggae, I think. The lyrics stick and they make you feel good, like you can sway to it. It's just an all-rounder. Mm -hmm. And I think it's been covered as, was it Katie Melia? Melia? I think she covered it. I feel like, yeah. 1983. So now we're after his death. Mm -hmm. Buffalo Soldier. Buffalo Soldier. Was a top 10 hit in the UK. This is the one that I said was number one. Top five in the UK. Yeah. It got to number four. Shut up. Number this is my favourite. This is my favourite. Oh, I've also got two favourites for Bob Marley because I absolutely love Buffalo Soldier, but I try to do one that I don't recognise as my favourite. But Buffalo Soldier is just up there. Um, gets you moving. No idea what it's about. Like, no idea, but it's really catchy and I love it. If you look up Buffalo Soldier on um, the... Oh, I forgot what it's called now. It's to do with Merton. Um our great great granddad was a buffalo soldier your great great or my great great well i don't know how many greats are in it but yes what is a buffalo soldier it was um how's our great great we're not american he was at war in america and um he is celebrated in the church in merton in wandsworth um sw17 I think it's called the SW17 um, Walk, but it's in there. Thomas Earl, his, his name is, and he's a Buffalo soldier. And it's is celebrated. that Summerstown? Yes, that's it, Summerstown, yes. So there you go. And he was, if you look at it, it's actually the heading is Buffalo Soldier. But anyway, moving on. Um, 1984. So One Love, which had obviously already been a popular hit was re-released as a double A with People Get Ready and it got to number five. Um, Recognised, again, um, gets everyone loving one another. I just think it's amazing. And I feel like you play it to get everyone's mood up. And People Get Ready? Oh, yeah, sorry. Could not find People Get Ready Anywhere. So when I did find it, so ah. when I was adding to my Spotify, I should have told you this before, but when I was adding to my Spotify playlist, found One Love, added that, typed in People Get Ready, and it was One Love slash People Get Ready, so I added that. Then I was like in my car listening and forgot to delete what the first One Love. Um, so I listened to One Love and was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it came on One Love slash People Get Ready, and One Love played again. So I was like, oh, I can't to skip it because it's one song, so I'll get to that point or people get ready didn't then when i was doing my notes and watching videos like no matter what it was even if it said one love slash people get ready it was only one love so i've listened to one love about twenty thousand times <laughs> people get ready no idea <laughs> so <laughs> couldn't tell you right. so one love definitely carried that one love is the reason that yeah 1984 still, Waiting in Vain, number 31. Do you know what? It's a slow burner. 
but it's got a really catchy chorus, so I feel like it should have been a bit higher than that. Mm-hmm. 1992, so te- over 10 years after his death, Iron Lion Zion, number five. Oh, this was good. Sing along, catchy, proper get stuck in your head. And this one was nearly my favourite of the ones that I didn't recognise. And in 1995, Keep On Moving, number 17. Uh, whereas this was my favourite of the ones that I didn't recognise. It really gets you moving, good beat, catchy. It's just an all-rounder. Doesn't be Buffalo Soldier, though. Hang on. Also, can we just point out there's still a number one to find? There is. Like, what? You're telling me Prince only had one number one at the yep. end of his, um, yeah. at the end of that long list you gave me, and Bob yeah. Marley had none. Correct. None. Yes. Where is it then? Because none of the others. Oh no, I'm gone a bit early there, haven't I? Boris Gardner next. I'm fuming that I've not clicked what, why that would be. Oh, for God's sake. Okay. Boris Gardner. I think he's a bit of reggae, you know, but I'm not sure. Um, He really sings to you, makes you think in your feels, doesn't he? Um, very softly sung and he knows what works for him so the two songs you gave me are very similar to each other but it works um, he's quite a chilled guy, quite casual and he loves a, a video on location, like he loves a beach Okay so Boris Gardner from Kingston, Jamaica been active since 1960 he's a singer, songwriter and bass guitarist and he does ska, reggae, soul, and R&B. So in 1960, Boris joined Richard Ace's band, The Rhythm Aces, which also included Delano Stewart, who later joined the Gay Lads, a Jamaica vocal group who pioneered the rock steady sound of Jamaica. Mm which I mentioned with Bob Marley, because Bob Marley Marley took it worldwide. Yeah. So with with the Maces, the group recorded Angela and local hits, A Thousand Teardrops and Christmas, which Gardner wrote with his brother Barrington. The group split up, and by 1963, Gardner had joined Ken Chin and the souvenirs as vocalist and began learning guitar. Gardner went on to join Carlos Malcolm and the Afro Caribs, with whom he started playing bass guitar after the original bassist left. And after the band disbanded, Gardner formed his own group, the Broncos. During the 70s, Gardner worked primarily as a session musician, although he did release a cover version of Ronald Bridges' Elizabethan Serenade called Elizabethan Reggae, although the records were incorrectly labelled with Byron Lee being the performer rather than Boris Gardner. Byron Lee was actually the producer. So he was even done out of his own record. (laughs) Oh, my God. 
So, yeah. So Gardner did find success in 1986 in the UK and Australia when he recorded the single I Want to Wake Up With You, which was written by Ben Peters and first released by Mark Davis in early 1980 and then by Con Hunley in September 1980. Both were American country music singers. So on the back of his success, Gardner released You're Everything to Me, which also saw success in the UK. Although Gardner signed to RCA Records following these successes, he never actually had another hit. Oh, so that's it. That's literally that it. it. Those two. Yeah. yeah. So he literally got found because of those two songs, signed a record deal, but never had another deal. Oh, so. poor guy. So 1986, I Wanna Wake Up With You. Number one. What? <laughs> number one. Really? Nah, Absolutely. you're having me on, you, ain't you? No. <laughs> 1986, Boris Gardner was number one with I Wanna Wake Up With You. It's mad. That was my favourite out of the two. Oh, it's a really nice song. Oh, I'm really happy. I'm really, like, shocked at the same time. It's soft, gentle, got a good upbeat. Oh, it's a lovely song, that one. I'm happy for him, but I'm really shocked. Yeah. You threw me right off. <laughs> 1986 again, You're Everything to Me. Number 11. It's not bad. Um, this one only missed out on being my favourite. Like, because I say they're quite similar, but this one, like, kind of doesn't have a change in the tempo. So, okay. and it's a bit quieter. I just want to say to our listeners, I feel like I'm talking to George <laughs> from Zip It from Rainbow, because my daughter's now put on this pink rainbow. And, well, it's George. You are George for baby. I'm having trouble concentrating, but um, we're going to have to because we're going over to it, Rebel MC. Can I just say this is Aoife's, my stepdaughter's blanket. I'm cold, and it's got little mittens in the end, so I put my hands in it. And I didn't realise how stupid it looks when I talk because I talk with my hands. Okay, Rebel MC is hip hop rap. Um. I feel like he's more of a producer and there's like this double trouble that's with him and they're the rappers. They're very good. Or it is MC, Rebel MC. Like I couldn't work out who was who. Um, very busy videos uh, and they play around with like green screen slash a bit of animation. But yeah, not much to say because I couldn't really work out who Rebel MC was compared to Double Trouble. Okay. So Rebel MC was born Michael Alec Anthony West in Islington, London. He's been active since 1980. So he literally got into the music in industry in literally. 1980. Um, he's known for Hip House, Jungle, which is a dance music, and the rave scene. So uh, Michael yeah. is a reggae DJ better known as Rebel MC, 
and right. also known as Congo Natty. West formed the group Double Trouble with Michael Menson, Cole Tough Enough Brown, who is a UK garage DJ, and Lee Guest. They released two hip house records in 1989, Just Keep Rockin' and Street Tough, as Rebel MC and Double Trouble. And both singles feature on Rebel MC's debut album, Rebel Music. In 1991, West released his second album, Black Meaning God, Good, sorry, um, which combined hip house and pop rap with reggae and breakbeat, which is an electronic music mainly using drum breaks. Okay. Breakbeat is mainly used as samples for hip-hop, jungle and garage music. And Rebel MC is seen as an early precursor to the jungle sound. His third album, Word, Sound and Power, released in 1992, was a further exploration of mixing up breakbeat into house, hip-hop and reggae. West is seen as pioneering the term jungle and popularising the music genre when he chanted while DJing all the junglists. MC Navigator from Cool FM is quoted as saying when Rebel chanted that, that the people cottoned on and soon they started to call the music jungle. I mean, it didn't last very long because I've never heard of jungle music. Uh, like, had you ever heard of it before you looked him up? No, that's why I had to look it up and write down what it was. Yeah, see? But then I was never into raves and that sort of thing. Nor am I, to be fair. So in 1994, West converted to Rastafari and his Congo Natty label was prolific in the mid-90s to early 2000s. And in 2013... West returned with the album Jungle Revolution. Okay. So. so he is like, when I say a producer, DJ. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he had his own yeah. label, which is also yeah. what he was known by, Congo Natty. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so Rebel MC. And as you say, with Double Trouble. 1989, yeah. Just Keep Rocking got to number 11. Okay, this has a lot going on. Music's very loud. It's very fast-paced. 1989, Street Tough, number three. Oh, this was my favourite. It's catchy, simple. It's got different layers to it. Like, you've got the rapping, but then the music on it and just everything in that song like, works really well together. And you can really understand the lyrics as well. And then 1990, Better World, number 20. Yeah, this one didn't do it for me. There's a female vocalist on there, and I liked her. But other than that, nothing really stood out. Okay. How old Fortemeyer? Right. Are you ready for my notes on this guy? Yeah. Genre. No idea. Can't even explain. Don't get how he's an artist. Never see the man. That's all I have to say on him. Don't <laughs> okay. Him. All right. So I love the song How Axel F, I'm gonna be honest. Um, so no, do not. I love it. 
Amal Fultemeyer is from Munich, West Germany, or Germany as it is now. He's been active since 1978 and he's synth pop film score artist. He is a musician. Uh, he can play the piano, the keyboards and the synthesizers. Yeah, but that's all he's he a has. songwriter. He's a record producer and he's a composer. Yep. So Fultemeyer started playing the piano at six. Fair enough. And at 11, he was train, training in classical music and developed an interest into rock and roll while at the music, sorry, while at the Munich Music Academy. He played organ in a rock combo while also studying trumpet and piano. So he's talented in, with these music, yeah. uh, instruments. Yes. In 1978, Giorgio Moroder. Okay, the big man. Mr. Was he the king of disco, wasn't he? King, yeah. Uh, he recognised his talents and brought him to L.A. to play keyboards and arrange the soundtrack for the film Midnight Express. Moroder and Faltermeyer would continue their collaboration for the next decade, mainly producing albums for Donna Summer. Who's Donna Summer? Um, she had a big, she's had some big hits. You'll know about her in, when we come to the... Oh, so she's 80s and our hero. Well, she was okay. before the 80s, but went into the 80s, so yeah. Right, okay. As well as producing, Faltermeyer got increasingly more involved in soundtrack work on Moroder's scores and was soon hired as a composer in his own right. His big break came with the landmark hip-hop breakdance-influenced score for Beverly Hills Cop, yeah, featuring the worldwide hit Axel F. Theme tune. The worldwide hit. Yeah. Axel F, which is the theme tune, although referred to as the banana theme by Faltermeyer, it was Ax it was named Axel F after the lead character Axel Foley, played by Eddie Murphy. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. In 1990, Faltermeyer co-produced the album Behaviour with the Pet Shop Boys at his studio near Munich. He has worked on 26 film scores, including Top Gun, Running Man, Starlight Express, Tango and Cash, and most recently Top Gun Maverick. He is currently working on the upcoming Beverly Hills Cop Axel Foley film. Shut up. So he's still about and still doing yep. stuff. He's yep. like going to be a shriveled old man in a, in a box, surely. <laughs> So, do 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 yeah, it's not what I want to be listening to on my way to work, oh, is it? It's great. It's and can I point out, right? Do you remember Crazy Frog? Who? Crazy Frog. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's sampled yeah. from this. <laughs> bring, bring. Oh, uh, you'll have to re-listen to it, but yeah, uh, it's sampled. Um, but yeah, no. Why did I have what him? Like, this isn't it? what I signed up to. It signed okay. up to a film scorer. I signed up right. to artists. Well, Vangelis we've had, and that was Chariots there of Fire. Li- no, there weren't lyrics. I think I was annoyed at that one as well. <laughs> okay. Lastly, Stan Ridgway. Yes. So I've gone with Country. We're back on country, right? Just give me some. Um, I recognise the song, but I don't know why. Um, didn't have time. Like I don't, I've don't not said this this week, but as you can tell, I've not had time to listen to any of this. But good job I didn't go out looking for any because Howard Fortemeyer is a film scorer, so that would have been boring. And Boris, was it Boris? Boris, Boris? Gardner, yeah, never had any more hits. Did- Anything else and I had enough of Rebel MC anyway. Um so I don't know any more by Stan Ridgeway. Uh he's got a good now stick with me here, a talking singing voice. You know when I say they're talking, not singing, and sometimes it annoys me. Well I like mm. his. Um and so what I did is so I've not seen anything of him really because the video was like just clips, but in the Stop laughing at me. In the video, I had a look at comments and people were talking about storytelling. So I'm guessing like the camouflage. I did a really... listen to the lyrics. It's, it says, and his name was Camouflage. Yeah, but no, but what I mean is like what it's about deeper. Like it's got some. I'd say it's like a guardian angel. He's like his guardian. He was this. He was like a camouflage was a guardian angel. Right. Okay. Because I didn't really get any of that but i didn't listen to it that deep so when i looked at comments i was like oh okay yeah 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 it's good so stan ridgeway's from barstow california us been active since 1977 Mm -hmm. he's a vocalist guitarist pianoist keyboardist synthesizers harmonica um his um music is new wave electronic industrial rock punk rock and film scores yeah nowhere near country is it no no especially when you find out you have listened to him because he was in so stan ridgeway started his music career in the band wall of voodoo oh okay so it was named by ridgeway before their first show in reference to a comment made by a friend of ridgeway's as they were recording and overdubbing on a Kalamazoo rhythm ace drum machine. Ridgeway jokingly compared the multiple drum machine and Furfisser organ-laden recordings to Phil Spector's Wall of Sound, to which his friend replied it sounded more like a wall of voodoo. And then the uh, name stopped. That's where it then came from. That's where they became known as Wall of Voodoo. So Wall of Voodoo's music was a mix of new wave and Western music, uh, spaghetti Western soundtracks of the 1960s. So the group had a minor hit with the 1983's Mexican Radio, which you would have listened to, which was co-written by Ridgway, who was to leave the band later that year to embark on a solo career. And this. So Ridgway 
has released 12 studio albums between 1986 to 2016. And he's written scores for 18 films. I think that's a sick thing to do as a job, you know. Mm -hmm. If I was talented, film scoring, how cool is that? I mean, no one ever listens to your music, but in a film, like you can make the film with the film score, can't you? Yeah, yeah. You set the tone, don't you? So it is pretty cool. So, yeah. So, even though he's had 12 studio albums, 18 films, I mean, they're not, I looked at them and I didn't recognize any of the films. So, they're all oh, like okay. low budget. So not, it's yeah, not like yeah. Harold Fultimar with um, Beverly Hills Top Cop, Gun. you know, yeah. on, yeah, Top Gun and what have you. Um, Yet his only single to have any real commercial success is 1986's Camouflage, which reached number two in both Ireland and Poland, and the top ten in both Belgium and Germany. Okay, so that one just... Isn't it mad that like some of these people just flop, but they just get... Like those one-hit wonder people, isn't it? Like, yeah, yeah. just get that one... But then that's it. Never to be really heard of again. Mm. But this is a good song, and as you say, yes, it's spoken, but it's it yeah. But I, it's a nice one. Yeah, I yeah, like yeah, yeah, no, yeah. And he's, as I say, he's telling the story about, as I say, it's a fallen soldier called Camouflage, mm, and right. so he's like this person's guardian angel. Yeah, yeah, that makes so, sense. So, um, 1986 Camouflage got to number four. Okay, catchy. Fast pace, good beat. Well, a bad one, to be fair. Okay. So, all we need to know now is hit or miss. Yeah. Did or didn't that influence daughter? Yeah. So, Prince. Prince was a hit. And you know what? As I was talking about him, I was like, oh, some of these songs I am quite negative about. But I do like the majority, and I would listen to him like again and again. So, but like, there is some that I wouldn't go to. Prince or Michael Jackson? Michael Jackson all the way. I'm Prince. One hundred percent. You're a Prince, nah, Michael yeah. Jackson. Yeah. No, Michael okay. Jackson. And like, it shows because there are some Prince songs that I don't like, whereas there's not mm. one Michael Jackson song I don't like. Bob Marley. Love Bob Marley. I gave that away when I was like, I love him. But yeah, Yeah. big hit. Boris Gardner. Another hit. I did really enjoy like the song, like as much as I only had two. And do you know what? I'd listen to those two again. And now I know that's all he's got. I don't have to go out. Exactly. So he did well. But no, I really enjoyed them. They were lovely. Rebel MC. Miss. I thought that it, like they're good rappers, but they're not. I don't know. It's just not my type of thing that I'd no, listen to. It's not. It's not like yeah. Salt and Pepper. So, oh, right. Yeah. Okay. They they were they're good rappers. I think I don't know if you like them or not. Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you yeah. and me. Let's talk about that. yeah. But that's um, a different there's one. Yeah. Yeah. How Rebel old Fortemeyer? I can tell he was a hit. Yeah, massive. No, hit. Miss. <laughs> <laughs> miss. Your first answer's been taken. No, he's a miss. 
massive miss. Stan Ridgeway. Another miss. I liked the song, but I just couldn't see myself ever. And now I know more about him as well. I can't see myself actually going out and listening to anymore. But yeah. yeah, the song was nice. It just weren't enough. Okay. Three and three, I'll take. It's um, better than last week because weren't last week. No. Weren't last week. Oh, Last week was good. Good. You had Eric Carmen hit, Peter Satara yeah. hit, Angry yeah. Anderson hit, Michael yeah. Jackson. It was only Jermaine Jackson. That yeah, it. yeah. It's only because at the beginning you were like, let's see if this is better than last week. So I was like, I swear last week was a good week. So, yeah. Okay. Brings me to next week's. Yeah. Go on. It's another good week. It's another good week. So, Phil Collins. Oh, hang on. He did a lot of Disney film songs. He did Tarzan. Can't remember what it's called, but yes, I know some of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Heard of him. Major. Oh, okay. I've been waiting to have him because we've heard a lot about him, haven't we? Okay. Bill Linnett. Don't know who he is. You've had him. We've no, spoken about him. We have. I don't know who he is. John Parr. Nope. Jim Diamond. Nope. You've had him as well. No, I haven't. You have. He was in a group. I don't remember names. I don't remember and names. Anne Morrison. I, him I've heard of. Okay. So, Phil Collins, Midjure, Phil Linnett, John Parr, Jim Diamond, and Van Morrison will be who you've got to next week. Okay. okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. Right. Look forward to that. Yeah. So, I shall send those songs over. Mm-hmm. And I will get okay. listening. Yes. All right, then. Okay. Thanks, All right. Thank you. Bye, Dad. Bye.